Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Triangles Meditation Group. Today is June 15th, 2020. As most of you know, we have this weekly webinar to introduce the work of triangles to people who are new to it and to aid them in the forming of triangles. It's also to create a platform for those of us who are already members of triangles to come together each week and to participate in a meditative alignment in the support and strengthening of the planetary network. Triangles is a simple visualization technique using the power of thought and prayer to uplift and transform consciousness. The work is, is simply the establishing of lines of lighted, loving communication between three people who agree to vivify that triangular link every day. These three people decide to link together mentally, spiritually, and in a spirit of goodwill to all humanity. And then their triangle, which they've visualized, is placed within the larger planetary network of triangles. And as that network is visualized and the energy circulates, the great vocation, a world prayer, is sounded to release the energies so that all those who are, have open minds and hearts can respond to the spiritual stimulation that's released into the atmosphere. Triangles need only take a few minutes each day, and it can therefore be fit into even the busiest of schedules. And so if you'd like to consider forming a triangle today, you can simply place your name in the chat box. And usually two other people on the webinar will agree to link up and form a triangle with you. So we encourage you to do that. And today we're fortunate to have a guest, Eduardo Grimalia, who's a pianist and harpsichordist at the String Orchestra of Cordoba, Argentina. And he's also a writer on Hellenistic astrology and classical studies. So we look very much forward to hearing from Eduardo after the meditation. And as we usually do, we begin with a brief visualization, followed by a sounding of the mantra on your screens that you'll see. Because we're moving towards the solstice period of the year, <clears throat> when it appears as if our sun takes a pause, um, we're going to do a brief visualization, which is related to this pause and this quiet that we are asked to establish at this time. So let's picture the group in a wood of pine trees following a long winding mountain path, at the top of which is a low built bungalow of undressed wood in which the teacher lives. And together the group is walking and talking on its way up this mountain path. And then together the group stands before the door, the outer door, and waits. And then it passes inside and hears a voice which says, you stand within the circle of those who talk and talking cannot hear the teacher's voice. Stand there, listen, reflect, and cease from speech.
as we enter, picture a curtain hanging across the space near to the place where we stand. Imagine the group achieving with effort that complete silence that will enable us to hear a voice which says, move forward into the circle of those who know the law of silence. You can now hear my voice. Then imagine the group obeying the summons and passing beyond the partitioning curtain and into the central room within a place of retreat. There sit in quietude and contemplative reflection and listen. and across the silence and breaking into the current of our quiet thought will come a voice inviting us to enter the circle of those who live within the secret quiet place. Radiance are we and power. We stand forever with our hands stretched out, linking the heavens and the earth, the inner world of meaning and the subtle world of glamour. We reach into the light and bring it down to meet the need. We reach into the silent place and bring from thence the gift of understanding. Thus with the light we work and turn the darkness into day. So as I mentioned, we are moving towards that significant time in our planetary life, the solstice period in the Northern Hemisphere, the longest day, the sun approaches its highest elevation in the sky, the day of greatest light. And perhaps this is a symbol of the release of the light which has been accomplished during this higher interlude period of the spiritual year, which just culminated with the festival of Gemini, when there is a great release, a great outpouring. And some of us might say that that outpouring continues until this time each year of the summer solstice, this longest day, this time of pause, when at this period we too can take a pause. Some like to take a a retreat in whatever way they can, and just try as much as possible, despite the outer activities, to stand still. It's a time to go within. It's a time conditioned by the energy, the zero degree point of the sign of cancer, the sign of the inner home, esoterically speaking, the inner house, we build that house and there and dwell. And some might say that inner home is our true home, reflective of the inner ashrams, 
those points of focused and concerted spiritual tension that exist within the, within the inner planes. And as we hold to align ourselves with that energy, we can perhaps touch a bit of its periphery. And this year, the summer solstice period is exponentially magnified and thus a powerful signal in the sky of the importance of this time in planetary history, which we all sense, because the summer solstice coincides with a powerful annular solar eclipse. The solar eclipses that occur always at the new moon are the most powerful. And there's long cycles. Each eclipse is part of a long cycle. And this particular cycle is reaching its maximum potentiality at this period as we move into the next, uh, the next cycle when this eclipse will come into activity some 18 years into the future. But now it's an annular eclipse, not yet total, but still exceedingly powerful. And the signature of this particular eclipse is not necessarily considered quote-unquote favorable. But that also can mean that spiritually it is reflective of an influx of a large quote, quota of will energy. And the will, as we know, is impersonal, can be used for either darkness or light. And so all the more need for those of us who are seeking to aid the spiritual hierarchy in its work to work concertedly to bring in this energy of will in an effective and potent manner. So in a way you could look at this um, eclipse period as a, a bookend uh, to the earlier solar eclipse which occurred during the festival week in December when a great influx of will came in because of an alignment of planets in Capricorn. Now we stand in Cancer the sign also of the mass consciousness wherein we can perhaps contribute our part through the Triangles Network in releasing the energies of light and goodwill through the network. And then interestingly enough, in December, at the time of the winter solstice this year, there's going to be another powerful alignment Many of you know it's the Jupiter-Saturn alignment in zero degrees of Aquarius. This is highly symbolic and I believe highly significant related to this whole preparatory work that we're undergoing as a group between now and 2025. Only a few years left in this stage of the forerunner to do what we can as a group to help prepare human consciousness for the timing and the onset of the externalization of these, some of the members of these inner ashrams who have decided to come forward to human consciousness. Um, this occurrence of this Jupiter-Saturn alignment in zero degrees of Aquarius, I'm not sure I mentioned that, on the winter solstice is highly significant, I believe, of this um, preparatory work moving outward. Blavatsky and actually Kepler himself both said that the alignment of Jupiter and Saturn in Pisces was the symbol of the coming of the Christ 2000 years ago. At that time, the um, combination of Jupiter and Saturn was found in the sign of Pisces, the sign of the new age that was coming in at that time. Now, 2,000 years later, the alignment is at zero degrees of Aquarius, the sign of the coming age. And so it's a, a powerful signal in the heavens that we're preparing for that moment. So let's now turn our attention to our meditation work, stimulating the planetary network of triangles, the bridge between those inner worlds and our outer world of humanity.
So let's link in thought as a soul, as a point of love and light with all those people throughout the world who are working with this Triangles Meditation Group. We invoke the spiritual will, reaching into Shambhala, the center of the will. In the center of the will of God, I stand. Not shall deflect my will from his I implement that will by love. I turn towards the field of service. I, the triangle divine, work out that will within the square and serve my fellow men. Using the creative imagination, link with two other points of light to create a triangle of light. Visualize the triangle in which you are working as an essential part of the Radiant Worldwide Triangles Network. Hold the consciousness of the group immersed within the light of the soul, the heart of love, which underlies and infuses the network.
Now lift your consciousness to the world teacher who stands as the heart of love at the center of the spiritual hierarchy and also at the heart of each triangle. Visualize the energies of light, love, and goodwill circulating in and around the triangle's network. Visualize these energies unifying and eliminating all divisions within humanity, healing and transforming human consciousness, establishing right human relationships. Sound the mantra of unification. The souls of all are one, and I am one with them. I seek to love, not hate. I seek to serve and not exact due service. I seek to heal, not hurt. Let pain bring due reward of light and love. Let the soul control the outer form and life and all events and bring to light the love that underlies the happenings of the time. Let vision come 
and insight. Let the future stand revealed. Let inner union demonstrate and outer cleavages be gone. Let love prevail. Let all people love. Visualize the whole planet alight with triangles. See new triangles being formed everywhere. Prior to sounding the great invocation, let's pause and consider the words as they're poured out and the work that they'll do in transforming our world. And as we repeat each stanza, let's visualize the network acting as a link between the world of spiritual realities and humanity, as a channel through which light and love and divine purpose may flow into human consciousness. From the point of light within the mind of God, let light stream forth into human minds. Let light descend on earth. From the point of love within the heart of God, let love stream forth into human hearts. May the coming one return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide all little human wills, the purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center which we call the human race, let the plan of love and light work out and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. Thank you, everyone.
And now I'd like to welcome Eduardo Cromaglia. Hi, Eduardo. Hello, Kathy. Thank you for having me here and let me share thoughts with the group. Yeah, I really appreciate your being with us today. So we're going to be sharing some thoughts on music and I wanted to start with um, this whole concept of the music of the spheres and where did it originate? Well, as you said, we're witnessing powerful signs given by the sky. Uh, you know, the solstices have been considered sacred seasons from ancient times and when other signs concur, such as eclipse, eclipses or certain conjunctions, they become an enlightened time in which the cosmic clock allows steps forward to be taken. And now, uh, to this concept of the music of the sphere, well, I think that this concept has too frequently been touched upon from a very poetical or, or mystical point of view. I am convinced that it has a sort of practical implications for our life and service activities. You know, the ancient Greeks used the word cosmos to reflect their idea of an organized and mathematical universe, which was a product of a cosmic mind or logos. For the Pythagoreans, for instance, cosmos meant both order and beauty. If the cosmos is mathematically organized, then it behaves like a musical instrument they had created a, a musical system which was supposed to be a resemblance of that cosmic order, thus linking the macrocosm with the microcosm. So the Pythagorean school came up with this concept of the music of the spheres, which regards proportion in the movement and distances of, of the celestial bodies as a form of music. Pythagoras is supposed to have lived more or less six centuries before Christ, one century before Gautama Buddha incarnated on earth. And by sphere, they meant something like the circular field of movement of a planet, the furthest being the, the circle of the fixed stars, which of course included the zodiac. And the sound of a planet did not depend only on its own vibration, but also in its, on its speed and distance from the others their belief that the universe was thus a great musical instrument and man was a reflection or, or resemblance of it, led them to think that sound is so powerful. We certainly do not know where this knowledge really came from, although Pythagoras is said to have met the priests in India and Egypt from whom he might have received his knowledge. We certainly owe the, the Western musical system to the Pythagoras Pythagorean school, which was used by the Greeks and later borrowed by the Christian church. Eventually, this system developed into our present musical system. Hmm. Do, do you know of any of the specific practices? We know that Pythagoras had a school. Were there any specific practices that they cultivated to align themselves with these, um, this music? Well, According to the testimonies extant, we know for certain that music and ritual played an important part in the ancient mysteries. Indeed, wondrous stories about Pythagoras are told in the relatively few written testimonies that we have. This school, for instance, around the time of the equinoxes and especially the solstices, which were considered to be especially sacred, certain melodies were used sometimes as antidotes for sicknesses, both of the body and emotions. And around the solstices, certain sounds and melodies were used for healing purposes. For instance, a person playing the lyre was surrounded by a group of students who could sound specific notes. And uh, Pythagoras is even said to have put to rest a man in anger who had set his partner on fire. And he did it by sounding a melody with specific intervals. Uh, we, we, could, we really know little, really, from those traditions, you know. Pythagoras never wrote anything. We know the tradition through the what we call the Pythagoreans and the, the extant writings, but we know that sound really had a very important role in the, in the practices at that time. How, how did this sound reflect the interconnectedness of all life? 
Well, uh, if we learn about sound, I mean scientifically, we, we are so tempted to believe, as they did, that the whole universe is based on numbers and proportions. Nowadays, acoustics has thoroughly studied sound and a wonderful world has emerged. Though we know that only the physical wave has been explored. We know that sound is born from a vibration and considered from the angle of the physical plane. Sound is a translation made by the brain of a certain wave which reaches it. The, the sound wave is uh, loosely put, really. A regular movement of atoms originated in a vibrating body. A musical instrument has been built in such a way that it can produce a certain complex wave. And the fact is that what we hear as a sound is in fact a compound of many sounds. So a fundamental note is said to have overtones or harmonic partials. And this is because sound is a complex wave composed of lesser waves, which are in mathematical relationship with, with one another. And the wonderful thing is that in each sound, all the other sounds of a musical scale are contained. So we have a fundamental sound, the frequency of which is a numerical relationship with all the minor overtones of which it is composed. So we have a network of relationships. We find each individual note or overtone adding to the quality of the group note. And there's even a more fascinating fact that each fundamental sound, each unity, that wave or frequency containing a group of lesser waves is in turn a member of a, of a higher system, which is called tonal system, made up of chords with a hierarchical relationship with one another. So the beauty of this is that it is evident that we have a system in which no individuality makes sense except by its relationship to the whole. In, lot, in last week's Triangles webinar, we heard a beautiful expression, the dance of the one and the many, which reflects what music really is, what takes place in a time, in the time a piece of music is heard, is nothing but the confirmation of the, the principle of unity in diversity, and the process by which from one sound, a whole universe is born, which will eventually return or be reabsorbed into that original sound at the end of the piece. Now, it's, it's wonderful, isn't it? And, and we, when it comes to why we cannot so hear the universe music, well, we could perhaps speculate. In, in, in our modern world, we have become, as you said before, so used to noise that we, we take it for granted. In this context in which silence seems to be the exception, it might be difficult to realize that sound or even word might have a creative function. We might have found out during this pandemic that we are out of tune with nature. In esoteric psychology, the Tibetan suggests that sensitivity is not anything one can be trained in. The fact is that all women and men are sensitive by nature. So when it comes to the realization that a universal symphony surrounds us, we might find in silence, in inner silence, a key. You know, the importance of vigilance is beautifully expressed by the Agni Yoga teachings, where we read that being on guard fills us with the light of new possibilities. Beautiful, isn't it? Yes. Um, do you see any parallels between what you're talking about and the work of triangles, the one sound and the many sounds all being interrelated? Well, yes, uh, I think so. We, we really know that sound and color are essentially two sides of, 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 of one whole. Uh, and I think this may lead us directly to a redefinition of what we consider magic to be. When, when the inner perception is matched with an equal capacity to see without, to project our thoughts, and the bridge between the higher and the lower is built, then we have magic in the real sense, don't we? So any attempt to bring the knowledge of the world of meaning down to bear on this world of glamour 
can properly be considered magic. So I wonder what kind of magic, this is of course an assumption, but I, I really wonder what kind of magic we are dealing with in our work with triangles. With, you know, a united effort, group effort to precipitate light and goodwill in the world. Uh, is it not a training in magic, I wonder. So sound, as it is dealt with in esoteric writings, may have an important part to play in precipitating those ideas which will give birth to the new civilization. Though we do not have the real keys to the wielding of sound, we, we really, through this work of triangles, we, we are contributing to change the sound quality of our planet to a more resonant and harmonious sound. This is the ocean of thought underlying the music of the spheres, according to the Agni Yoga teachings, with which, quote, the song of progress and labor is blended. It is said so in New Era community. And we, we can be sure that this precipitation of light sound has a part to play in the dispelling of glamour and illusion, I think. Yes, certainly. Yes. Um, we're moving into a new age, as we all know, the Aquarian age, which is yeah. going to be a new world in many ways. Um, it takes time. Exactly. And, uh, what's the relationship that you, in your understanding, between Aquarius and sound waves and resonance as expressed in its planetary rulers, Uranus and Jupiter, the esoteric ruler? Well, uh, if we have to assign this quality of this individual contribution or effort that adds to the clockwork of the whole to any particular sign or planet, it will now no doubt be Aquarius and Uranus, the modern ruler of Aquarius. Uranus stands for anything that suggests a network and electricity. This, of course, must be done within the framework of time, law, and duty. Duty, as the other ruler, Saturn, suggests, which is said to lose its hold on the individual as she or he approaches discipleship. By the way, the, the relationship between these two rulers of Aquarius gives us a beautiful definition of freedom. Uranus, Uranus is the free individual acting within the framework of karma, duty, and time. Yeah. The sign Aquarius in its symbol gives us a suggestive idea of resonance. From the point of view of esoteric astrology, Aquarius is a dual sign which indicates a harmonic resonance between two vibrations or even telepathic interplay. As an air sign, it is you know, it is inherently connected with the, the sound waves which propagate through the air. It is a sign of constant movement and change in activity and, and the balancing of forces is shown by the fact, known by all modern astrologers, that a planet falls or is exalted here. So Aquarius is the age in which the real keys to the wielding of sound will be given and used for healing purposes as a sort of revival from those ritual practices of, of the ancient mystery schools. Uranus is the electric urge to better conditions. And if we can include Jupiter, the esoteric ruler in the formula, I think we will see a strong tendency to synthesis and fusion motivated by love and brotherhood. So in this context, we could claim that music and sound have a part to play in this plan. Perhaps not necessarily connected with verbal communication, but rather with that creative capacity to, to precipitate. So the idea of the part each individual note plays within the whole is very Aquarian and Uranian in nature. And I think this is the essence of what, what, was, what was meant by the harmony of the spheres in, in, in ancient times. Yeah, it's interesting that you say, talk about the healing potential in this, um, these planetary rulers, because the Tibetan does say that um, the most powerful combination for healing is between the second ray, which is Jupiter, yeah. the sacred planet on the second ray, and yes. Uranus, the seventh ray, 
So we have this powerful combination for healing and through sound, I know that you had earlier um, mentioned some of Blavatsky's ideas on the use of sound for healing. Oh, yes. Can you talk about that a little? Well, um, yes. Uh, Blavatsky uh, was really convinced that all legends had a kernel of truth. So what we call the harmony of the spheres was for her much more than a mere philosophical fancy. In the secret doctrine, she makes clear that she looks upon sound as the effect produced by the vibration of the ether. In fact, in the secret doctrine, in a chapter with a suggestive title, The Coming Force, she makes an astounding claim. She maintains that sound is a stupendous force which could be compared to a million Niagaras when directed with occult knowledge. Yeah. Surely she didn't know the Iguazu Falls here in South America, which are higher. <laughs> but anyway, she, she says, sound, she claims, may be produced of such a nature that the Great Pyramid would be raised up in the air or that a dying man could be revived and filled with vigor, which is an amazing claim, isn't it? Yeah. And Interesting to know that right after that, she proceeds to deal with forerunners in the field of force research, among them a Philadelphian, John Worrell Keeley. He had been one of those who ventured in the realms of etheric force and had not been permitted to go too far. He had succeeded in reducing an ox to atoms. So, however, such a forerunner of etheric forces who came to the threshold of a great secret of the universe is now qualified by Wikipedia as a fraudulent inventor, as mm. a fake, because he refused <laughs> to give out certain secrets and was not willing to reveal on the underlying principles. And everyone knows that Blavatsky once agreed to make demonstration of certain powers, though she is said to have bitterly regretted it later. She's even witnessed to have wielded sound, though she refused to qualify such things as supernatural. She really insisted uh, over and over again on the fact that those wonders answer to certain laws which are not yet known. And she became famous for having made a whole audience hear the sound of bells. She even foresaw the intimate relationship between sound and astrology, also Aquarian in nature. You know, astrology is essentially Uranian in nature. Mm -hmm. In her view, the impulses communicated to the ether by the different planets may be likened to the tones produced by the different notes of a musical instrument. It's beautiful, isn't it? Yes. Well, I think we should open it up to our audience now and um, thank you so much for your sharing with the group. You're welcome. So let's see, can you see the chat box? I don't know let's if you see. Let's that. see. Yeah. There's one woman, uh, Nancy, who likes to form a triangle. So please, two other people, hopefully will agree to form a triangle with her. Um, yeah, so anything you want to share, and people can raise their hands also. If they click on their name in the, in the participants box, we can unmute your microphone and you can share a comment. Uh, well, here, so there is a magical power to the sounding out of a great invocation, yes. The, well, we all know the great invocation is an ancient mantra, indeed. As any mantra has a special power. And, but of course, I think the power is given uh, by the force it can distribute. It, it, so we come to that beautiful image of ourselves being channels of force. And um, in a way, I think that has to do with that, you know. Uh, well, I think that many people or, or some people, you know, have a certain problem with, with, you know, the individualities that are lost in a group. And uh, 
and I see it very much connected with that ancient injunction, the Delphic injunction, know thyself, you know, when I was doing classical studies at university, I became particularly interested in the oracles of antiquity. So I wonder what, what that injunction, know thyself, mean. And I had the idea of an introspective self-knowledge, such as getting to know one's weaknesses, not in a very different way than modern psychology does. And the temple of Apollo at Delphi had two frontispieces. On one, the phrase, know thyself, was carved, nothis auton. On the other, a particularly meaningful one, medenagan, something like nothing too much, or choose the middle path. And during a Greek philology class, a professor explained to me that the knowing oneself within the context of Greek philosophy had nothing to do with finding faults in oneself. Rather, it pointed to one's function within the hold, the fact that we are channels of something, which, by the way, was the meaning of justice in Greek, more related to what we call harmony or balance, the, which conveys the idea of a note that adds to the harmony of the whole. So when we, and when we speak of harmony, I think it is useful to understand that it comes from a Greek verb which means to fit into the whole, to fit in the whole as a, as a piece adjusted, adjusted to an entire mechanism. So when we say that something is harmonious, we're not saying that it is beautiful, but that it correctly fulfills its part in the whole. So musical terms, harmony, group harmony, is a study of how chords relate to each other so that a series of principles governing their right relationship is established. So we as individualities, as transmitters of, of force, we are, we are like overtones of a major group sound. So, you know, the concept of this concept of the music of the spheres is based on the fact that sound permeates all forms. The planet has its own sound, each atom, each human being, each group, for the simple fact of being, and all chords contribute to the great symphony. Uh, so, uh, and, and when we talk of group work, you know, sometimes we, we see a, a great score in a symphony, we know that the contributions of certain instruments cannot be heard in the mass of sound. But, you know, if, if those instruments are not there, they, they really add to the quality. Of the, of the group sound. So it, it is felt when they are, they are missing. So this is, I think, one of the mysteries of the individualities submerged in a group, uh, in, in a group consciousness, which becomes uh, able to transmit, to, to diffuse uh, light and, and love and, and goodwill on the world. And uh, this is, in a way, it is a great mystery, but it is so practical and so connected with with our work, with our ev everyday life, I mean. Uh, so we really run the risk of thinking that these things are so abstract, but they are really meant to be useful for, for the new generations to change the world. Uh, well, it's... Uh, Thank you. Someone say, Saskia asks you can say something about the link between light and sound. Yeah, well, you know, in a way, I don't know if we have to speak about a link. It's in a way, light is sound on another level. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Color, each sound has a color or is a color for the simple fact of being. Uh, so it depends on the frequency and on the level we focus on. So in a way, light is sound. Yeah. We, the infusion of light, meaning changing the quality of the sound. And uh, I think that in a, in a way that does away with all that moral concept that Christian concept that we, of, 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 you know, being good and all that. I mean, we, we are really 
contributing to change the quality of the matter. Uh, so, in a way, any meditation could be a service uh, which attempts to, 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 to create a new world. And we are doing thus through the use of light and sound. Uh, I think they're really the same thing. It is a bit difficult to explain, but uh, there are different levels of the same thing, of the same vibration, I should say. I'm going to unmute Chilia. Uh, Chitya. I'm not sure how to pronounce your name. You have your hand raised. Um, hi, can you hear us? Can you hear me? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Hi, Eduardo. Hi, Kathy. Hi. Um, I just want to ask you something about sound. Is it true that sound, the vibrations, had something to do with the building of the pyramids in Egypt? Well, we, we cannot know very much about that, but this is what is suggested. Um, at least this is Blavatsky th throws some hints over... I mean, from time to time in Isis unveiled in the secret doctrine that the ancient had inherited that power to wield matter to, in a way, to, to affect the, the polarization of the atoms of matter. I think, you know, I, for a while, I've, I've been a translator of ancient texts, and it is interesting that all ancient texts of magic, astrology, and w which can be found at the beginning of the Christian era and even uh, uh, earlier ones, they all talk about the ancients, but no one knows who the ancients were. We, we, we know that many other civilizations were found before historic times. You know, many civilizations are known not to be recorded by history. So I think there's an ancient wisdom that has been inherited. And I am sure that the ancient had certain keys to wield matter. And I suspect that they were very connected with sound. But of course, that's a secret. No one can know that. I think that uh, this is a certain hints that belong to, to the wisdom of a new age. So I, I think we shouldn't hurry up to, <laughs> to get those things. And, but I think that they had to do with that, really. I, I completely agree. Well, Eduardo, we've come to the end of our time together. So I just wanted to thank you so much for sharing with the group. And I'm sorry we didn't get to read all the comments that came in but hopefully another time we'll have an opportunity to speak. Of course, you. it would be nice. Great, Kathy, thank you. And thank you for having me here and letting me share these thoughts. Well, we appreciate it very much. So now let's, um, let's take a, a moment of silence before we close our work together to link with all triangles workers throughout the world, visualizing the network surrounding the planet. Thank you, everyone. Have a good evening.